Hello there and a very warm welcome to Des's Island Discs. In a hectic world, this is a little oasis of calm and nostalgia from our guests who choose pieces of music that remind them of a particular time or story from their life or career. Now, if you're listening on podcast, we cannot play the music because of copyright laws. But really, this is about stories. So let's hear them. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1. Hello there, my name is Des Cahill and today's visitor to the island is known to you all, TV chef and food author Catherine Fulvio, a good Wicklow woman. And Ballynockin House is so central to your life from the very start. So tell us about it. Yeah, Des, Ballynockin House is my family home. I'm third generation there. It's a beautiful, classic Irish farmhouse uh, built in the 1850s. And we're farmers. So um, some of the family are still involved in farming. And my mother opened a farmhouse bed and breakfast there over 50 years ago. So I grew up in the business where we were welcoming guests and looking after tourists and lots of Irish guests coming down. Never short of playmates when we were younger. And... Then when I, sadly, mum passed away fairly young at 56 and I took over and converted the milking parlour into a cookery school, upgraded the bed and breakfast to a four-star guest house, planted or replanted the veg gardens, did a lovely herb garden and uh, soft root gardens and it took off from there, thank God. Yeah. Well, tell us about those early days when it began. Did people stay for a few nights if, if you had playmates? Oh, they stayed for a week. It was a weekly package. So whilst mum was registered as a bed and breakfast, it was actually a uh, dinner bed and breakfast, full board, actually, lunches as well. So people stayed for the seven nights. And we've so many families like that would have come from Dublin and from Cork in particular. I was wild, Des. You know, after you did your chores, there was about 10 kids to play with. (laughs) You can imagine like living out in the countryside and they'd be up all night playing hide and seek and your parents coming at about 11 o'clock and he's coming in or what? Do you know? It was fabulous. And we had... At one stage, a family from America, they had, they were Irish-American, they had 13 children, I remember it distinctly, and they came over and they stayed two months one summer. Oh my God. And we learned rounders, we learned all sorts of games, a game called Ayayaki, which was a version of hide and seek, and when I say we got creative on the hide and seek, we got creative, we were like on the roofs of buildings hiding, not good. Things that if your children did today, you would say to them, get in now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they stayed the whole summer. Yep, mum, yeah, uh, they, they stayed, the, the American stayed for the two months, um, but yeah, mum opened always at uh, St. Patrick's Day and closed at Halloween, and then we would take our family holiday somewhere in Ireland. Right. Yeah, it was lovely. And did you work on the farm? I helped on the farm. My job at one stage was to help uh, drive the tractor while they got the hay in. I got fired fairly quickly from that, <laughs> though. I let the foot off the clutch a bit too early. A few of them fell off the back, yeah. That. But with farm accidents nowadays, we have to be very careful of all of that, of course. Yeah, of but course, yeah. I suppose when you were younger, like it was different. And the the machines were a lot smaller as well, I should say. But yeah, no, I always helped milk the cows and give dad a bit of a hand outside. But primarily I was helping in the kitchen, learning to cook for mom. And my grandmother was there as well, helping and so I learned all the tr- kind of traditional Irish cooking and also the farm to fork concept. And my mum was always up to something. She was entering cookery competitions around Ireland. Very big into cooking and very creative. And I didn't realise, were there a lot of cookery competitions back then? Yes, there were. Around the same time as there used to be the Housewife of the Year competition, those kind of competitions. I was judging that one. Were you? Yeah. We, oh, we, is that a thing to be ashamed of now? We <laughs> would drive the country. I remember driving in the worst snow ever for a fish cookery competition that was on or a Bordish Gawara were 
sponsoring yeah. it. But we were going to it. Where was it? Kilkenny. I remember distinctly. It was only small, but we were in the back of their car going, will we ever get there? Will we get there alive? But she took it terribly seriously now. And obviously you learnt a lot from her and your grandmother. Yeah. Yes, I learnt a huge amount. And I still went on though to study um, years later. I went back and studied uh, culinary arts and uh, down in Ballymaloo and it was an amazing experience. But uh, it's only when you actually start to study you realise how much you already learned from yeah. your family and from your mum. And that's why I'm a big supporter of getting the kids into the kitchen and cooking with the children as much as possible. And I know it can be hard for parents when you just want to get the dinner yeah, on the table yeah. and not have as much mess <laughs> or as little mess as possible. Um, but it really does pay off in the long run. And I'm surprised you've had time to do that with your children. Yeah, well, it has been a bit more of a struggle with them, to be honest, getting them into the kitchen. But they've always enjoyed a little bit about food. And for transition year, my son did part of his gashka was cooking with me. Oh, was it? Yes. Yeah, that was, yeah. It was a bit of pushing him into the kitchen, but it paid off. He's had his friends around now recently and I saw him doing a lovely scrambled egg with smoked salmon in it from the friends and I was very impressed. (laughs) (laughs) So he enjoys it, do you think? I, I'd say now he it's a means to an end. He's yeah. he's he's more of since lockdown started and since COVID came in, he's more been my official cameraman, which he never anticipated. And if somebody told you you're going to be stuck in the kitchen with your mother filming her, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be your your greatest mm-hmm. wish in your life. But he's happy with it, and he's a great help to me for because, for Instagram and that. Yeah, and that's that's a, that's a core part of 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 your profile now isn't it? Yeah it is and um, certainly growing a lot on social media and we're working at the moment on putting um, classes online and I'm doing a lot with corporates where they cook along so it's live cook alongs so he manages all the camera work for me for that. There's a lot in it and we'll talk we'll talk later about the impact of Covid because obviously it's it's a huge impact but your first musical choice Catherine, ABBA. (laughs) Yeah Oh, showing my age. Well, I was very small now, but um, I chose Ava because it still brings back very fond memories. And I always remember the times I laughed really hard. And uh, But this was almost bittersweet. My, my wonderful brother, he's very generous, my older brother, and he was on a school trip to Moscow, which would be huge then because that was the Iron Curtain. Yeah. It's a big, big thing now. And off he went and he bought, brought back gifts for all of us. We were thrilled. And he brought me back a cassette of ABBA, their greatest hits. I'd never owned a cassette in my life. So I immediately took the cassette player and put this in and started to play. And all I can say was he clearly bought it at a market. Oh, it yeah. was definitely a bootleg copy, which I wouldn't recommend, <gasps> of ABBA. And instead of those wonderful svelte swe- Swedish mm. tones mm. of ABBA, it was Chinese bootleg so listening to them singing Dancing Queen with a Chinese accent wasn't quite the same Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1 That's ABBA and Dancing Queen the choice of today's guest uh, TV chef and food author Catherine Fulvio and you grew up on the farm then and you clearly had happy days on the farm but you headed to Dublin to college was that a, a, a big change like obviously from farm life to heading up to the big smoke Oh, it was a total change, but I couldn't wait. I skipped a class in national school. Uh, they were short a teacher. So I was 16 doing my leaving cert and I was 16 starting in UCD. But kids now are doing their junior cert at that age. yeah. And I was, I felt so grown up, like at 16. And I said to my mother, well, I'm staying in Dublin. I'm not going up and down on the bus, <laughs> Do you know, and we only live in Wicklow. Yeah. So I was in a flat in Dublin with my friends. I had a wonderful time. And Where were you? I, I, uh, we stayed in a flat in uh, Ballsbridge, 
opposite the RDS and it was it was lovely great location and had my bike and cycled into UCD every day I studied German and Irish in UCD and I loved it and I went off to Germany for a year during that so I was four years then in, in the end in college and worked for a while then and then went back to college to the College of Commerce and Rath Mines to study PR and marketing and I loved it and that all helped obviously in later business but tell me about uh, going to Germany to Germany, uh, that was a very interesting experience. I got a job, the benefits of B&B. A family had stayed with us a few years before from Bavaria and they, I went out to them then one summer and was au pair to them. And then they said, if you want to come for a year, we'll find you a job. And they were very Catholic, lovely family. We're still great friends. And they got me a job in a boarding school run by nuns. And so what else would a good Catholic Irish girl from a farm want? <laughs> out in the middle of nowhere in Bavaria. But it was lovely and the people were so nice and so welcoming because, of course, I was the Iren, which means the Irish, but it pronounced incorrectly also means the mad one. Um, <laughs> but it was fantastic. I was out in different people's houses, chatting, entertaining. It was a very, it was just lovely now, I have to say. And I was teaching English then in this very fancy schmancy boarding school with the Faber-Castells of this world and the Wagners of this world and yeah. the Von Byrons and all of yeah. this and had an amazing time. And travelled around Germany then and explored a lot as well. I loved it. And obviously you had no language issues, obviously, given you were studying. I was studying German and that's paid off because I still to this day would uh, give cookery classes of Deutsch in German. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Because we get German visitors coming to stay with us. So you had the PR, the language. Yeah. And the travel. Yeah. And where did it go from there then, Catherine? So you're, you're now ready to take on the world. But you end up, sadly, back in Ballynockin House. Yes, yeah, so I was a marketing manager for a country house hotel and loving it. And um, I'd been there a good few years and were very successful. Doing The hotel was very successful. We were doing really, really well. And I, I, I just loved the job and loved the travel that came with it. And I was running cookery classes there with our head chef. And yeah, then mum, just after I got married, mum got diagnosed with cancer. And we thought she'd made a recovery. And then she just, yeah, two years after that, she was gone. And of course, mum never stopped. She had bookings in for the following year. She had a full house for the mm-hmm. following summer because everybody kept coming back. And she was at this point specialising in hill walking groups. And we still get a lot of people mm-hmm. staying with us for hill walking in Wicklow. Somebody had to take over and I offered, I volunteered because I've always loved it and always worked hard with mum and helped her. So that was it. And that's when I renovated the building and went back and studied. Well, there was a lot... There was a lot to it. I mean, were you reluctant to start making changes in the place, given she had been the queen of it, obviously? Yeah, it would. It was very hard to, to make the changes, now, to be honest, um, because it was also our family home, Des. Mm. And, you know, you know, you pinpoint what that's mum and dad's bedroom and that's so-and-so's bedroom. And you don't want to be knocking walls and changing everything. But to get forced to our guest house, we had to. Mm. So I just put on a business hat and went for it. And it was only after I opened that that I got the idea for the cookery school. Uh, because we had the old milking parlour and it was empty. And people started asking me, can you show me how you made this? That was really tasty. And I'm on a little table in the dining room doing a little yeah. cookery demonstration. And I thought, there could be a business in this. And then I had an American guest staying with me and she said to me, you know, I have a friend in New York who works in a cookery school, but they don't teach anybody from the public. They only teach corporate groups. And I thought, well, now you're talking. <laughs> and that's when we started with the corporate team building. And that was just a whole new level for us. It really gave us a re- kickstart. And explain how that would work. So the corporate groups would come down and as part of their team building, they make a meal together from start to finish. It could be a barbecue. It could be an Asian theme or an Italian. The pasta making is always very, very popular. 
With, L- with literally making the pastas. Yes, literally. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and the pestos and everything. And you'd be surprised how amazing they all are. Because, you know, I suppose in some, it, each company differs and each department differs. Some can be a bit more competitive than others. If you work in sales, you might be more competitive. I noticed the engineering groups are more careful about the exact <laughs> measurements of the pasta <laughs> and so on. But it's always great fun. It's all about creating memories. And I um, have always been of the opinion when you're teaching people in your cooker school or virtually that it's very important that you have an atmosphere of fun and nobody should ever feel that this is hardship or I'm under pressure or I'm under time pressure. It's all about creating memories and learning a new skill. And that's what I'm about. And presumably some of them are, are very, are not good. Some oh. are very good. And oh, I oh, listen, I've had, I've had fellas go out into the garden and bring in the box hedging thinking it was time <laughs> and try to put it in the soup. Um, I had another group that I had made the most beautiful chicken stock and I said, just strain the stock there and put it in the soup. And when I came back, the chicken bones were in the soup. <laughs> I said, where's the stock? They said, yeah, it went down the hole of the sink. <laughs> so yeah, it takes all sorts. It's fun. That's yeah. all it is. It's just fun. You know, it's all about having a laugh because they're the memories people remember. Right. You know, when they're, when they're back home, they'll certainly remember the dish, they'll remember what they made, but they'll remember more than anything the laugh that they had. Do you find people want to learn kind of simple and basic stuff like the soda breads and, you know, I mean, even in lockdown, everyone's baking, etc. Do people want to learn extravagant dishes or do they want... I think people want, most people want doable dishes with an angle or a twist because everybody can more or less figure out the basics or they could go onto YouTube and figure out the very, very basics like how to fry an egg or whatever. But they want to know kind of the next level up. So it's given them a little bit of challenge but not pushing too far outside the comfort zone. When I started first Des, I did start outside the comfort zone. Now it was only the first two classes and then I realised because I guess it was my lack of confidence, you know, this old imposter syndrome and I'm thinking, no, I have to show now all I know. And it was too much. People were saying, oh Catherine, we loved the flavours. But we'd never make that at home. Yeah. Sure, that would take us two days. Yeah. So I realised very quickly that it has to be doable for everybody and practical, but it has to have... It's like turning the ordinary into extraordinary. And it's also teaching people the nuances of cooking, like how to how to caramelise your meat properly to get that flavour, how to cook your onions properly so that they builds up that layer of flavour in your sauce or your stew or whatever you're making. Because if you know all the different stages properly, properly you will have an amazing tasting, basic recipe at the end of the day, but it'll taste brilliant. And it's those details that everybody wants to know. Right, your second musical choice, Catherine, Talking Heads. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is my out-out song, right? This is from when I was in Dublin and myself and my very good friend, we used to um, to think we'd never meet a man and we used to be out and about (laughs) wandering, going to the different clubs. Of course, it was such a novelty for us, you know, from the country. Uh, This was our our wind-up song before we'd go out. (laughs) And and when I went to research it, because I knew I was coming into your desk, I looked it up and I realised that song was out in the 80s or something. I was going... I don't remember that now, <laughs> but it was. I must stress, it was the greatest hits album that we were yeah. we were living <laughs> off of in 1992. <laughs> Just for the record, <laughs> Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio One. That's Talking Heads and Once in a Lifetime, the choice of today's guest TV chef, Catherine Fulvio. So let's talk about becoming a TV chef. 
that's the whole thing about sliding doors, isn't it, Des? You know, you don't wake up one morning and say, this is my plan. My plan was to run a really good cookery school, a really exceptional cookery school. And that's what I do. I hope uh, people feel the same. But um, I got the chance through, again, my background in PR marketing to represent a marketing body on Ireland AM right back years and years and years ago. And oh my goodness, Des, I was so nervous. I remember I did a rack of lamb and I remember trying to get those lamb chops down onto that plate and my hands were shaking like mental. Uh, but I did it and I got through it. And afterwards they went, that was great. Would you like to come back? And you're kind of looking going, OK, yeah. where's the wind up here? Uh, what's the catch? But I did. I went back and I got more and more used to it. And then I heard that RT were doing screen tests and I went down to um, Cork and did a screen test and they asked me to cook what I knew really well. And I said, well, I know Sicilian food really well. So I spoke all about the wonderful flavours of Sicilian cuisine and made a, a lovely dish for them. And I thought that was it. I thought I'd blown it, to be quite honest. I didn't think I was up to much. And the next thing I got this call saying, yeah, we've done a pilot and there's a channel in the UK, UK TV Food. They want to contribute as well. So we're going to go ahead and make the show. And the next thing I knew, I'm wandering around Sicily filming. And since then, that show is one of the most sold shows. It's right. on Amazon Prime still. And I still get messages from India and Sri Lanka saying wow. we love you on the television. That's amazing. Isn't it unbelievable? And the Sicilian link needs to be explained as well. So Claudio, uh, my husband, is from Sicily. So um, uh, met in Dublin, of course. <laughs> where? Uh, Palermo. No, no, where did you meet him? Oh, so where? <laughs> I met him in O'Dwyer's pub on Mount Street. And you loved this one. It was the night of the soccer match between Ireland and England when Lansdowne got wrecked. Oh, away, 95. And I went to this pub. I wasn't it was particularly... A bit, a bit close to yeah. all the action. Oh, sure, I didn't know there was going to be any action. Mm -hmm. And I went to, to a friend of mine said, would you come? And she liked the soccer. I wasn't mad into it. Mm -hmm. But we got locked in in the pub because of the action going on in Lansdowne. They locked all the doors so nobody could get in. The fans were being walked yeah. back in past there, yeah. So then we bumped into this group of people and sure, we had to talk to them. And sure, one of them was Claudio and that was it. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, he never left since. <laughs> was he only visiting? Yes, Wow. he was in for two weeks. For a job. <laughs> and he hasn't left, he stayed then, did he? Back and forth. Yeah, yeah he works in the UK as well. So yeah, he's back and forth. It's anyway, so, so when you f first went to Italy to meet his family, you spoke German, you didn't speak Italian. <laughs> and you know what? They speak great German in Sicily. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know I have not a word of Italian at the time, but I had to learn. And I know my ingredients in Italian, but if you ask me for driving directions now, you'd be yeah. in trouble. Uh, and they're very passionate about their food. And I remember Zialina and Tilina, um, she had us in her home in Palermo and all the family were there. And sure, it's a tiny, uh, like, dining room, but there'd be maybe 30 of us in there all scrooged together. And what would, what you think a Sunday lunch is like what the rest of us would think is a mental feast. Like at five o'clock, you're still eating. And it's just amazing. The food is amazing. The passion. They They would sit and have arguments about... Where did you get those olives? I got them. Why did you buy them there? They're much better if you'd have bought them from something such a place. Yeah. They come from something such an island. They're much better than these olives. And this kind of debate is constant. Mm. And I remember um, they asked me about the cookery school and um, I was saying, oh, I've got a Sicilian cookery class running. And they went, oh. And I thought, oh, why did yeah, I say yeah, that? This is like a test. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they started to say, what do you cook? And I'm like, oh, here we go. And I was like, oh, and they said, uh, a pesto trapanese. And they were like, oh, that's pesto trapanese from Trapani in Sicily. And it's a particular one that's made with tomatoes and almonds. 
and they asked me what ingredients I put in it. Oh. So in my broken Italian, I'm explaining my ingredients and I didn't know the Italian word for food processor. So I said, a poi, and then, bzzz. oh, holy God. They were like, no, 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 bzzz, no. And apparently to make the best pesto, just for everybody listening, it's a pestle and mortar to do the job. And never admit to a Sicilian yeah, you yeah. use a machine. I remember we were in Palermo during Italian 90 for a week or two. And, I, and what I remember about it was we used to comment on, on the respect for older people. There were always older people in every family group that you don't always see in Ireland, you know, always. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. yeah and it's and the older people are the the head of the family. Like, uh, well, respect like would, for them, kind of, yeah. Yeah, and it wouldn't, like when we were in Zialina's uh, all those times for Sunday lunch, Auntie Lena, she would, uh, her husband had passed at that point, she would have been definitely in her late 70s, but you would never contemplate invite, like not going to her place, like inviting her to your place yeah. because you had to gather in her home. She was the, the original parent, grandparent, great-grandparent yeah. at that point. And yeah, it's very, very family-oriented and very child-oriented. When my son was smaller, and he still has red hair, but he's pale like myself and red hair. Oh my goodness, introduce <laughs> a red-headed Irish baby to Sicilians and they think they've won the lottery. They can't believe it. Capello Rosso. And they're all petting them. And the next thing then, can we hold the baby? And because they're Sicilians, you go, sure, no problem. You know, because they walk around, they're going, oh, look, he's just lovely. And they're showing him off to all their relatives. So he was a major hit when he was a baby. So do you you go over there every year? Most years? Most years, yes, we do. We stay outside of uh, Palermo in a small town called Balstrata um, or Trapetto near there. And it's just very homely. There's there's not like a major tourist attraction town. It's by the sea and you'll meet a lot of other people. I mean, Sicilians are just so mad about their own place. Like when you're in Balastrata, you will meet people from the town Partinico, which is literally 10 kilometres, but it's in the hills. They leave their house 10 kilometres away and they rent a place by the sea 10 kilometres from home for the summer. It'd be like you going to British Bay or something. It'd be like me renting a place in British Bay. People (laughs) would think I'd lost my marbles. But it's how things are. And the seafood is lovely and the sunshine and... Yeah, it's, and oh, people course. are so warm and welcoming. Yeah. Love it now. I hope you enjoyed it when you were there, Des. Oh, we loved it, yeah, yeah. Obviously, obviously. Getting back to the TV success then. So that programme that still exists yes. on Amazon yeah. Prime, for instance. But I mean, that you got involved in an American TV programme. How did that come about, given there are so many... Oh, unbelievable. Well, I've been there. doing NBC's Today show. Again, I they were over filming in Ireland and... They asked me what I do a bit and I said sure and then they said whenever in New York and I went well you don't really mean that you know that Irish you must come around for a cup of tea it was a bit like that I thought but sure enough I rang them and they said sure come on in we'll give you a slot so every year for St Patrick's Day more or less I do NBC's Today show but uh, Do you go over there? I go oh yeah yeah yeah. I got a call about a lady she was in Dublin and she'd come over and she hadn't got a TV chef and she needed one and somebody said could could you help her out look she didn't organise anything she stuck I said sure she came down and we filmed and she was like oh Catherine I just love you I just love you I'm gonna so gonna work with you again and she, we just kept in touch Lisa yeah. Renee Ramirez we kept in touch she's a wonderful woman from Los Angeles from Hollywood uh, the next thing she's over making a show and we now at this point we have done two series second series is just airing now just aired the first series I got nominated for a daytime Emmy yeah. for and during lockdown we did four more episodes so now that's the third series sorry I'm confusing yeah. you uh, over a Zoom like we Zoomed her into my kitchen and uh, it was kind of the middle of the night now because that was daytime for her course, and we yeah. were pretending it was daytime in Ireland and I did these lockdown shows for her and they loved them over in America and I feel blessed. I really feel I'm incredibly lucky 
to have met this wonderful woman um, who's given me these wonderful opportunities and who is on my side. You know, somebody yeah. who's like always looking for opportunities of ways to work with me. And I, I just think that's amazing. That daytime Emmy nomination was amazing to get. Oh, unbelievable. I mean, it's proper red carpet stuff. You were there. You went to the... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had my Irish designer dress and everything. <laughs> oh, I, and it was... Des, I couldn't tell you what it was like. It was... You're walking along the red carpet and you're thinking, nobody knows me. They're like, Whoopi Goldberg's just walked in front. Yeah. Judge Judy just went on there. Sure, the, ne- the next thing, Lisa Renee's going ahead going, I've Catherine full of you here. She's from Ireland. Mm. And the next thing, oh, somebody from Ireland, come over. And you've been interviewed all along the red carpet. You, you think, what have I got to say? You know, yeah. that Whoopi Goldberg hasn't got oh, no to say. To say no. But it was yeah. great. And then uh, the other thing I should say, Des, um, is we're back uh, on RTE then in the autumn with Taste Like Home, which is our wonderful travel yeah. show as well. So um, that, that's got us around the world too. Well, you've, you've We're grounded this year, mind you. I know, and it's <laughs> been a tough year. With COVID, yeah, for it's Ballynockin and oh yeah, mm. I, I like the tourist season is gone altogether, and I didn't realize. I guess I should have realized, but we were incredibly dependent on tourists over the summer. Like we would get a lot of cruise ships down, um, tour groups coming to us to see the farm and to see the sheep and all of that. And yeah, that's that's all totally gone. And of course, when the green list came in there recently, sure, the final cancellations came in. But we are reopening on the 1st of September and we've lots of our lovely Irish guests coming then for weekend breaks. And they'll come and stay, um, have dinner on the Saturday night, cook on the Sunday morning. And yeah, I can't wait to get back now and welcome our Irish guests. Good. Well, listen, continued success to you, Catherine. It's been lovely chatting with you. We're going to play out with your final musical choice, Blinding Lights. There's a story behind this now. Well, now, I mentioned about Rowan helping me with the um, filming and there has to be a payback. Do you know, like he's only 16. He's not, a, I wouldn't say, necessarily a willing participant uh, with his mother in the kitchen. So he, I teach him the bit about how to operate the cameras and then he teaches me music, his music. So we've gone through Drake, um, XXX Tentacion is another one. Uh, Juicy World, that's W-R-L-D. None of that you could possibly play on Radio 1 or 2FM or any of those stations. So I had to pick a song. The language, is it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, even at me, I'm like, oh my God, turn that <laughs> off, turn that off. But um, this seems, this is kind of the, the big song on TikTok at the moment and The weekend is very popular among the teenagers and it's a lovely song, um, I have to say, and they're a great band. So I very much enjoyed learning that from Rowan. And it'll remind you of your lockdown. He <laughs> very much will. All right. Catherine Fulvio, lovely chatting with you. Des's Island Discs on RTE Radio 1.